Welcome back to a new episode of my RPG podcast. Today's guest is Wowzers, who's a friend I made over the TTRPG Twitter. She's relatively new in her words to the uh, RPG sphere, but we do get to have a great conversation about the kind of benefits of incorporating new players into tables. I hope you enjoy this episode. Light flickers my windows, drums rattle my doors. The preacher told me they're all sinners and whores. The laughter has tormented me. Well, I night out of weakness and a thirst in my throat. I ran to that bridge, I swore I'd never go. The end of that tunnel was a fiery light. So I walked in hanging my head and cried. Welcome, one and all, to a new episode of My RPG Podcast. Today's guest is Wowzers. Wowzers, will you please introduce yourself? Hi, yes, I am Wowzers. Uh, you can find me mostly on Twitter, little Instagram. I'm a Twitch streamer. I dabble in cosplay. I'm not going to call myself quite the cosplayer just yet. Um, and I do actual play uh, streams as well for twitch.tv slash cult. Yeah, and uh, I was able to find out about Wowzers through one of the previous guests, actually, Michael Gibson, who was a fantastic guest. I think he's been on two episodes. Uh, listeners, you will know better than I do. Eventually, I think it's hazy. But I really wanted to have an opportunity to have her on the podcast, and I'm happy to say she's never been on one before, so I get to be her first experience. So yeah, starting with that, Wowzers, uh, this is an RPG podcast. Let's start with what is your origin in regards to RPGs? Um, well, as far as playing, I'm still fairly new myself, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about having new players in your games. Um, I've got about a year and a half, almost two years of experience, so I'm still very baby in this. Um, I was introduced to it through my friends that I would play video games with. Uh, they were getting into Critical Role, which I think is a lot of people's origin stories into the whole space now, especially D&D. Um, so we started watching that together and then I got into Dimension 20 and Dimension 20 is what did it for me. I was like, oh, you can play D&D in any setting you want. I never had realized that before because the cliche is fantasy, you know, like obviously dragons and knights and princesses and stuff like that. So to someone with no experience in it, that's what you would assume D&D is, but Seeing Dimension 20 play in like all these crazy, especially like modern times where they were using cell phones and stuff, that's what did it for me. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So me and all my friends um, went from playing video games together to playing D&D together. <laughs> and while that's not a uncommon thing to hear, especially after this sort of renaissance that is now RPGs, but largely, I think, flagship is critical role. Uh, I think it is great that you did find Dimension 20 and other kind of live uh, play, you know, live streamed games or pre-recorded games online, because uh, as a lot of my guests have also been doing that themselves, um, there does tend to be a very like top heavy approach to, well, everybody watches critical role and maybe some people know of other things outside of it, but very few um, explore and we we tend to kind of fall into like that assumption, like you mentioned about like oh well D and D means Dungeons Dragons, high fantasy, swords and sorcery. Um, but no, RPGs are a fantastic resource where you can tell any story. That that that's really really cool. So did you 
just because you'd mentioned getting to Dimension 20 and being surprised about the ability to use other settings, do you tend to not like things that are fantasy? Do you prefer something that's more, uh, you know, modern or more sci-fi? Or where do you kind of tend to fall in those sort of situations? I actually don't have any preference. I, um, my first one that I was in with my friends, we did more of a fantasy setting just because that's what the DM wanted to do and what he was most comfortable with. So it's like, I'm not against that, but then... I just didn't want it to be that the whole time every game I played because I felt like it could get stale, especially considering my limited knowledge of like the weapons and stuff of the time. I was like, oh, I'm not going to be knowledgeable enough to have like a lot of D&D going on, but um, I'm not against it at all, for sure. I, I definitely prefer the ones with maybe more of a modern theme just because it's where my comfort zone is and it's easier for me to play. <laughs> Actually, speaking of being comfortable, um, I, t I tend to see this. Do you have either a musical background or a acting theater background at all? Uh, if you count high school about 15 years ago, <laughs> I don't, I haven't really done anything outside of what, like once I graduated, it just kind of became work, make money, make a living. And that's totally fine as a guy who works in mm -hmm. boring old accounting. I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> um, but the reason I ask is because I, I start to notice a common thread about people who are willing to take a chance on RPGs and on uh, any sort of like uh, role playing, not, not even just tabletop, but actually, you know, LARPing and things like that is it. The, there's a tendency for artistic creative types to do that. And I think that's potentially tied maybe to the, uh, the fact that in both those fields, you're already trying to, be creative and taking a chance and willing to make a fool of yourself, willing to play the wrong note or sing the wrong, you know, thing, or in the case of acting, you know, you know, being a character that's completely outside of yourself and maybe make a fool of yourself. So I, I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that while you did have a little bit of that, that's not your immediate end because it shows that this isn't necessarily a thing for, you know, theater nerds and, uh, you know, music geeks who are accustomed to this stuff that anybody can play RPGs. Oh yeah, definitely. I I mean, it's definitely something I've always been interested in, but kind of too negative to myself um, to let myself try it and fully enjoy it. But now I'm just like, especially with, I don't know if I can talk about quarantine and stuff. Maybe we could redo the beginning of this answer, but can I talk about all that? Is that too far? No, that's absolutely like, fine. You're right ahead. Okay. Because that has stuff to do with it, you know, to like being in quarantine, um, not really working as much as I was. We had all this free time and we were like, well, now's the perfect time for us to try. We can all get together and do it. And I actually, I really enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, I never saw myself as much of an actor or like a LARPer, but I definitely always have enjoyed dressing up and being a character. So it, it makes sense that I would like this. I don't know. I just never let my brain connect it and feel comfortable with like letting myself be someone I'm not because it always just felt really silly to me to like try and act or be a character you know and I was just like I don't know people aren't gonna like it so but now that I'm trying it I'm just like I should have been doing this my whole life <laughs> I know that feeling very well I did not get into this thing until I was in my mid-20s and looking back at it I'm like this would have been perfect when I was a teen or even younger because that's when you have all the free time and you do the sleepovers and you can play for you know eight 12 hour stretches like ridiculous things where as now as an adult the hardest thing I'm sure you've noticed um, I mean quarantine did kind of help because we 
as a unified globe had, you know, suffering the same things. And a lot of us were, you know, unfortunately unemployed at the time. It made it easier for us to coordinate our schedules. But now that things are slowly starting to back up, uh, sorry, open back up and things like that, you notice, uh, I'm sure in the past uh, year or so that the hardest thing is, or one of the hardest things is the scheduling. Yeah. I experienced some of that today, even with the group that I'm currently in. It's, um, about to be our third, only our third session in, and already somebody's like, I don't know if I could do it this week, which is completely fine because I think mental health is number one, like, priority. Please focus on yourself instead of a game, you know? Like, I can wait. That's fine with me. But it has been a very recurring thing in every game I've been in. And actually, the one that my friends and I started went on for a few months and then eventually just ended abruptly and hasn't been picked back up for this reason. So it's like, I just, I don't know. That would be amazing to be just fully available all the time. But I don't know. I'm a pretty understanding person, I think. Yeah. And I think that the um, important thing you made, uh, the note that you made earlier about mental health and this just being a game is what I constantly harp all the time, especially because I talk to a lot of DMs and GMs. And part of being a DM and GM is feeling a sort of responsibility um, usually you're the one who's corralling all the cats and getting ready every schedule together. And of course you're creating the world and running a lot of the NPCs and things like that. So there tends to be a sort of like a martyr syndrome, I think, to where, uh, you, you sometimes will get, and I've heard this from GMs and DMs sometimes where they feel burned out, but they don't want to stop because, you know, four to five people are counting on them or, you know, they, they try to make it work in their schedule. So they end up turning down some interesting things or, you know, dates or hangouts or, you know, even other tasks that they were going to do because that's D&D night. And I've always been like you along the, uh, the, um, along, along the idea of like, this is still at the end of the day of a game. We're all adults, usually who are playing adults. And we all understand <laughs> that we all have schedules. So if, you know, maybe you want to make it to that cool, you know, symphony that one night with your significant other, fine, we'll be without, uh, you know, a, a session just for that week or whatever. Exactly. That is exactly right. <laughs> but I, I, I'd want to kind of take a few steps back, though. So you mentioned getting into the Critical Role Dimension 20. But what is, and you obviously didn't have the theatrical musical background. So what is the thing that pushed you over the edge to be like, I can try this? Because you, like I said, don't seem like the type of person who's like, let's start pretending and acting and doing all this stuff. Well, I, um, I'm very close to all the friends that I ended up playing with. So they were really, like, just pushing for this to happen, and they wanted it to happen so bad, I was like, okay, it's gotta be good. If they want to do this this bad that they're, like, begging us to do it, I'll try it, and that's fine. And they were super helpful with the whole process, because I thought coming up with a character and having to, like, get into character as somebody with no acting experience, I'm like, I'm gonna mess this up all the time. But they were super helpful with, like, oh, you don't need to know every single detail immediately, because that would just be way too much and your head would explode. And they're like, you're allowed to come up with it as you go. Because I guess the part that made, made me the most hesitant was just thinking of how strict it might be because I know there's a lot of rules. And especially watching everybody else play and seeming like they know so much about their character and they know so much about the rules. I was just like, this is going to be hard for a beginner, but it's like one of the most beginner-friendly games I've ever played, <laughs> to be fair. Well, it's so it's a part. I think sorry. part and parcel. No, no, nothing to apologize for. <laughs> I, I was I was going to agree, and I was going to say I think that's part and parcel 
sometimes the system you're playing, but more importantly, I think it's who's ever running the game. Whatever game master is there has the ability to, at, a, at the drop of a dime, go, oh, don't, don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about the, the thing. I'll change the way the narrative works or change the way mechanic works to help you out or simplify it. Like it's, it's, it's not like we're doing taxes or, you know, which is very strict and rigid and confusing. <laughs> um, we're, we're literally working with people at the table. It's this collaborative storytelling to where, yes, there's some rules that are there to help, you know, uh, maybe simplify some encounters or situations or create a little bit of challenge or create a bit of intrigue, you know, depending on how the die rollers or the card flips or whatever your mechanic is. But the greatest thing about this is a game master for my spot side when i think of you know introducing a player like yourself is if at any time i see that you're kind of checking out or this is too complicated or too difficult i can just immediately throw the friggin rule book out and just be like cool let's just do it this way that's easier there, yeah there's also a logical like numbers way to settle it if you can't think of anything else yeah, I mean, the, the, the beauty of it, the, I mean, I, it's very rosy what I've been saying so far that it sounds like I, we could just play a game without, um, you know, mechanics or, or dice. But I do say this at the end of the, of the day, like we still do like this impartial, you know, arbiter, which is the dice and fate and, you know, the mechanics, right? So, uh, we're, we're not exactly a hundred percent doing a collaborative storytelling because in that sort of situation, me denying you something would be I, I think it may be a little more harmful or it would feel a little more personal because I'd be literally telling you like, oh, yeah, your character dies. Well, cause, cause I think that, I think that works best for the story. Like, I think that hurts a lot more than like, oh, you know what? I did roll really, really bad or all right. Well, the monster rolled really, really high. They knocked out all my hit points. Makes sense, right? I think that, that creates that impartial judge. So nobody takes too much of the blame. Oh, definitely. Yeah. If, it would feel like your DM was just out to get you if that wasn't even a factor. Like, you wouldn't want to even try anything. It would take away all the, like, adventure sense of everything. And you'd try, it'd be like 20 minutes of trying to figure out, you know, if you're walking through a hallway, which stone is going to be the one that's the trap. Because your DM's not helping you. I think there's definitely, it's on everybody to help each other. And we got lucky in my, in my game that uh, I was playing, our DM was actually a first time DM as well. So he couldn't really pull all of that on us, even if he wanted to. <laughs> so it was really nice. Like we were all learning the rules kind of together. And it was really um, like we were talking about earlier. It's very flexible. And that's what made it the most enjoyable was like, well, we can admit when we've done something wrong, even even if like the dice rolled high and this should have happened. But we did the rules wrong. Like being able to admit that later on is huge, too. Well, you mentioned now, earlier, your friend's kind of saying, like, we should really reduce together. So you're telling me everybody at the table was relatively, quote unquote, new to the game. Is that correct? Yes. There was one person out of, like, five that had ever played before. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that's kind of, a, I think, a great way to do it. If, if, if you're all kind of in the same boat, you all sympathize with each other and then don't feel like you're doing it, quote unquote, wrong, right? Yeah, it made for some difficult... Um encounters like fighting wise though <laughs> those took probably way longer than they should have but and they thought we, we just we started cutting those out <laughs> well so you kind of got into this and what was kind of the turnaround for you recognizing like hey i really like this and i'm going to keep doing this uh is it just because you had the time and the state of the world or and 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 when doing that what sort of characters did you fall in love with and scenarios did you start falling in love with because i know as time goes on then you start to really realize what sort of player or character you like to play so 
what made me really turn around and decide that it was like something that I could do a lot was um, finding like the community on Twitter and finding out how inclusive everyone is. And that's just so opposite of the video game community, which is kind of what I was a part of before. I still kind of am a part of that, but like I've definitely strayed away from the video game community and just kind of stuck to like what gaming I prefer myself and moved way more into like the TTRPG space just because the people um, are so wholesome and nice and welcoming and there's no like gatekeeping. I mean, there is, but that's a very small portion of it, I think. And I made some more friends through the community online and played in a couple other games. And once I started playing with people that know what they're doing, no offense to my friends, but it's way more fun when, you know, at least the majority of people know what they're doing. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I can keep doing this. And I just, like, love all the people that I found through it, including Michael being one of them. We were talking about him being on this podcast. And seeing his name on this really, like, solidified it for me. Like, oh, if he's behind this, then I'll definitely do it too. Because I wouldn't, like, there's a lot of kind of like I was saying there's a small portion of bad people in this so you know you want to see what you're going to put your name on and if you had there's like toxic people so if you had like toxic people on here I wouldn't have done it but seeing Michael's name was huge and I was just like okay I believe in him so <laughs> I'll do this I take and, that as a great compliment thank you very much and also thank you Michael for having come on multiple <laughs> times and giving me your, your cred thanks bud <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I like what you're doing here, too, like giving people a chance to share their experience more so than just coming on and saying like, oh, this is what we like about the game and this is why you should play it. They're like giving personal sides to it. And I really like that a lot. I think there's um, and, and maybe this is just a, a, a segment of me divorcing who I am on my day to day because my day to day, like I mentioned, is accounting. So I pretty much break the world down into numbers and figures and equations and whatnot. I love the fact that this kind of triggers, uh, sorry, not triggers, plays with the other side of my, my brain, which is a lot more creative and free flowy. And like, so when I got into RPGs, I, I, I 100% realized early on that I was like, oh, I want this to be as inclusive as possible. Oh, I want this to be as fun and casual as possible. And then when I started marrying that with my love of, you know, podcasting conversations, cause, and you know, I don't want to bore the people who've listened to all the episodes who've heard me probably bring this up multiple times. Um, but, I got into this because every time I started talking with other people just randomly about their RPGs or maybe at a convention, so we were like looking at, you know, the same dice sets or the same, you know, minis, this beautiful like passion would come out of and, and we would be back and forth, back and forth. And I know I could have sat and talked with them for hours on end, but, you know, I had somewhere to go or something to do or a panel to catch. And I realized like, why is that such an amazing icebreaker? Why does it? tear away all the nervousness of, of talking to a random person. And, and uh, while doing this podcast, I realized like there's quite a few people with amazing stories who don't have to just talk about mechanics, who don't have to talk about what's the best class to play. And, Oh, we like this system yeah. more than that system. Like at the end of the day, the same way that everyone has a story that they want to tell via their characters and their games, 
everyone also just has their the personal feelings and passions about the game in, in general. So um, if I if I can take one claim uh, for my RPG podcast, because uh, it's my RPG podcast, that's the joke, <laughs> is, is that I, I want it to be a place that represents my view that we all have a story to tell. And regardless of big, small, professional or amateur, um, it's all worthwhile. Yeah, I, I love it. That's what I was saying, like just all the different points of view. It doesn't get any better than that, because how are you going to grow if you're keeping yourself in your own little world? And speaking of growing, keeping yourself in different worlds, I mean, you're now playing with people who've played obviously a little bit more and understand the system a little bit better. Um, do you, you said it's a better game, but was there an initial kind of worry about like, oh, I don't get it or I don't have the experience that they have? And if so, when did you get over that? If you ever did get over that? Uh, I don't, I've never really felt like out of my league because everybody that I play with is just really accepting of new people in their games and like very willing to help. So I've never had to feel like awkward about not knowing something or having to ask a question, which is really nice because I think if I kind of like ever got side-eyed for asking a question or not knowing something, that would change everything. And I'd be more like hesitant. And then I'd probably not learn as much or as fast and that could affect the game. But just I think being open to having new people at your table and playing with you and encouraging them to ask questions and encouraging them to like want to learn and use your moves and like learn how it works and will help you. That's that's huge. And what sort of characters and stories do you like to play? The characters that I'm finding myself the most attached to are the characters that I kind of play myself in the most. Um, like, I like playing characters that would be completely out of my acting wheel, I guess, which is very small. It's probably if like two or three different characters that I could do easily. But um, I... I was playing like a druid and that just really spoke to me. I really like druids a lot because I'm kind of like a naturey person anyways. So if it's a character that I can like play myself in, I really like that. And D&D, I never thought would have anything like that for me. You know, I thought it would always have to be some sort of like out there character with like this big personality and like the way that you even like down to how you speak and an accent and like a voice and all that stuff. But just seeing people play like themselves more like on Dimension 20, I guess is going to be a reference for me a lot and why I got into it. But just seeing them play and like they don't use like voices for everything all the time. They don't, you know, like go too big on how they play their characters, but their characters are big. And I was like, okay, so I don't have to like you know, role play everything out and then it happens in the game, I can just kind of play it more like how I would do it in real life. And that also works. <laughs> yeah. And I think what's great about Dimension 20, because it's for those who don't know, it's one of the uh, larger um, role playing games that is uh, online that you can access is that fact that where in contrast to the highly, I mean, they're both highly professional in regards to presentation, but, you know, Definitely. Critical Role is kind of the paradigm when it comes to presentation, when it comes to the prestige and pedigree of the actors that are on that show, the players that are on that show. And now the obviously the 
mega, you know, uh, star multimedia, you know, merchandising and uh, books and soon to be animation show that is critical role. Dimension 20 is this great sort of, uh, not, 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 not to any sound negative, but like this more plain and casual sort of game that the majority of people play. Which is not, you know, uh, a whole bunch of professional voice actors with amazing accents. Uh, it's just people having fun and playing it in a very relatable way. However, it's still being effective at telling a story that's compelling or being characters that are different than their own. Yeah, and they even include um, new players as well. So that's very fun to see. Like, okay, it's... It's not all about being professional and having like 10 years of experience. Like you can have just as much fun with people that have never played before. And that was, uh, that's a big push into why I got into it. And it's very comedic. I mean, let's be honest, Brendan and crew are, you have a comedy writing improv background as well. So I, I've cried so many times at that D and D. Like I never thought it would be that good. I don't know. I. I would really recommend more people get into it, but everybody listening to this podcast already is into it, so I don't know who I'm speaking to. I don't know. You know, it, you can you can you have, never know. Yeah, you know, you never know. So I, I don't ever uh, try to assume. Uh, I will always suggest uh, to you all that if you want to check out, uh, you know, like we were just talking about Dimension Twenty, it's a little more you know comical. It's a little more casual. It's a little more um, also more modern as they do different settings as well. So that's that's really really cool stuff. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I, I think it's the casualness for me. Like, I'm I'm pretty casual with everything I do. Like I said, I never saw myself as too much of a bigger, over the top personality. So the fact that it can also be casual is just chef's kiss. Mm -hmm. So when you're playing, um, and you you you're, you're obviously been doing this, you said for a year, and you still feel relatively new. Is there ever that little, you know, thought in the back of your mind about I could do this? I could, I could game master. I could run my own world or come up with my own stuff. Or is that something that doesn't ever enter your mind? Uh man, I am so back and forth on that one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like I, I get in my head that okay, I could do this. I would love to run a game. It seems like more fun than playing sometimes because. Getting to, like, see the look on your players' faces when you introduce the twist or something, you know? Like, I want that. I want that feeling. But then I go into, like, how to make a map. And it's, like, some of the more detailed stuff is just where I get, like, feeling like I would be not the best. But I know you can commission everything these days, so I, it'd probably be a process, but I'm going to try and eventually put a game together for sure. And I'm about to start running charity one-shots, so I'm sure I'll eventually have to end up running that. And I think a one-shot would be a good place to start. I don't want to take on, like, a three-year campaign as my first DMing experience. Totally. Um, l learn from our mistakes. The guy whose first campaign <laughs> has been going six and a third quarter years. And Jeez. I, I Well, I got really fortunate. I'll say that much. My my Monday game is one of my three games. Um, I don't have much time to do anything else. Uh, no, it, <laughs> I, I say that jokingly. I, I love all my games. But yeah, my Monday one's the longest running. Um, it's technically two campaigns because we had a quote unquote TPK restart sort of uh, like two years in. But yeah, six and a quarter years in. 
as your first thing, I, I look back and I go, I really should have just done one shots. I should have done like one shots or a couple of <laughs> month things and then gotten my feet underneath me. Cause ever since then, I mean, I've been just kind of, uh, it's the joking gif that, they, that you can look up online of laying the tracks right before the, the rail uh, road. Sorry, right before the locomotive. That's been a lot of the past uh, six years. And I know if I ever, <laughs> I know if I ever start again, I'll be like, well, at least I have this whole little train route set up so I can just play within that uh, area. So you, you, you're smart to do the one shot thing. Learn from our mistakes. Yeah, I feel like I'm with the way my brain works, I can be so scattered. So it's like to have something that needs to be so organized, I would definitely need a system. And that's something that you got to build up to. Definitely. And you mentioned the community a little bit earlier, and I do want to follow up with that. Um, what is your take on the RPG community? Like how deep do you go into that? Do you follow Instagrams and pages, look at Kickstarters for new systems? What do you like to do inside the TTRPG community? Uh, Instagram, I'm not huge on. Um, I've tried, but I just can't sit there and scroll through pictures for that long. <laughs> it's just, I get so sidetracked. But I do scroll through Twitter a lot. I do look at um, Twitch a lot as somebody that also streams. So I try and watch like other streams for inspiration. I, I definitely scroll through Twitter a lot and I'm constantly following new people, like looking for podcasts to listen to, just everything I can do to get better at this myself because I know I can't teach myself everything to know you know there's a rule book so obviously just listening to other people would be better on this so I I definitely scroll through Twitter probably more than I should I think everybody's probably guilty of that so um I just try and follow I try not to get too much into drama because if you put yourself around drama then you know drama is just going to stay around you always so like i'm kind of like a block and move on when it comes to like people that do shitty things oh i'm sorry should i should i say not that no you are totally fine we are allowed to curse here we are all adults okay um yeah i'm i'm mostly just i'm i do follow kickstarters i follow a lot of dice kickstarters because i have a problem with dice shopping um, I do follow some game Kickstarters. I actually was on, uh, if you've heard of the Kickstarter for Necrobiotic, they were like fully funded super fast and everything like that. Have you ever heard of that one? No, but I can do something in the background here. Is it, is it dice or is it a system or? Uh, Necrobiotic is a story um, about like a futuristic Venice where uh, there was like a big event that came on and wiped out a lot of the population and so eventually with the dead bodies they just started turning them into robots and making them work for people because there were not enough people to sustain life oh i could go on it's so much fun everybody needs to check it out i'm just here to like plug my friends y'all <laughs> hey that's totally fine i think part of the uh beauty of of, of what, what we get to do in the rpg space is whenever somebody comes up with a great idea is you obviously want to tell. I, I think that that's one of the other great things I like about the RPG community. I've never uh, entered in a community to where openly people want to be like, oh, here's this awesome thing I do. Take it. Do this. Try this. Here's this yeah. thing. And then, or, or you're like, oh my God, you should watch the show. It's great. Or you should, you should use this puzzle. It's amazing. Like, we just want to give each other. Obviously, please compensate your, for people who create content, people who create adventures, systems, you know, subclasses, all that. If you can, 
please compensate them because they are putting in work. It's man hours slash woman hours and that, that, that needs to be paid for. But what I love is how casually open we are to giving all the way all of our secrets and all of our tips and all of our tricks, uh, unlike a, a lot of other things in life. Yes, it is another one of the things about the community is just like the selflessness and like the positivity and the encouragement and like everybody's just like, check out what my amazing friends are doing because I love them and no one's like trying to be too petty about success and I love that. I think that's, I think that's part, and, and, and you know, this has been my theory for a little bit. I think it's part just because of the form of uh, the game itself, the fact that we are talking usually around the table, but I understand with COVID times, maybe virtually on, you know, Zoom or whatnot, but we are talking and looking at each other. We are working together to see whose skills can get us over the next puzzle or over the next whatever challenge is going on. Like by the very nature of this co- cooperative process, uh, you hope it, you hope that you have this open space to where people want to willingly help each other out, which is very different than, I guess, you know, like, you know, if it's a sports where I obviously want to be on top or want to be number one or want your team to win, or if this is like, you know, acting proper, in which case there's only so many leads, there's only so many roles and maybe somebody who looks like you or who has the same credits wants to go for the same roles. There's kind of this subtle subconscious sort of like, well, I don't want to help them because then they might take my spot. You know, we don't have that in the RPG space. As far as I know, um, there are, you know, negative uh, people and negative things like that. But I think that's usually a minority for as far as I can tell, the vast majority of people I've run into are fantastic. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying earlier. Like, it's just a small portion of it, and it usually gets squashed so fast. Like, I love how quick the community can be to come to, like, defend when somebody's trying to, like, act like that and be a bit ignorant, I'll say, um, to maybe what somebody else is going through or what somebody else is trying to do with, you know, their life. It's like, it's not really your place to comment always, and I do see a lot of people quick to... Uh, come to defense of like other people in the community so it's really nice and they kind of just like they'll squash it real quick that's why I guess another reason I don't really find a lot of drama is because by the time that I see some stuff has happened it's like already over and everybody's like oh they're blocked we're moving on (laughs) true I think the, the, the good thing is now that we live in an age to where it's becoming less and less um accepted um to be bigoted or to be um so uh, exclusive or so um uh hostile towards towards new people new ideas that come in and if you have any sort of uh fault uh it's so easy to say like all right well you you know don't play in our game don't you know move on it's not like you're because we are so now connected by you know either the internet or we are connected by the ability to you know uh, have such a wide reach we can find another player no problem if anything I'll tell you guys, I'll tell you guys this. The easiest thing in the world in the RPG community to do is find willing players. Uh, GMs and game masters, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's usually the, 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 you're the hot commodity because you're, 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 you're low in supply. So everybody wants you. So, oh, yeah. To be like a DM or to be a GM, that's the one that it's hard to find. Like, if you ever need players, just throw out one tweet. That's literally how my <laughs> game started. No joke. My very first game started because, of a tweet 
I think a hashtag critical role or something, a tweet that said, <laughs> you know, local to me, which is in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Um, they were just like, hey, I want to start a game, 5e, like critical role. Anybody interested? And I saw that. I was like, hey, I'm in the area. And here we are six and a quarter years later. We're all friends and we, you know, go to cons together as well as you know, play consistently once a week. So um, that's that's how easy it is. That's only a couple years off from us ending up in a game together because I grew up in Georgia about an hour west of Atlanta, so I would have been almost in the area at the time even. What a small world. That is very funny. So yeah, it's it's as simple as a tweet. It's so easy to find a player out uh, out there and... um, so that's yeah what I think was one of the great things and like the technology aspect of it because you did mention having more time thanks to uh, unfortunately the Corona uh, virus situation were those virtual games or was those in person games how did that work for you? Unfortunately, all of my games so far have been virtual. I haven't had um, because we started right when the quarantine hit. It was like it, it was like a couple weeks after quarantine first started. We were like, this is the sign for us to just play i guess like we're all about to have this time we need you know a distraction for sure which it's been a great like way to just forget what's happening and have some fun legitimately with friends and like people that you enjoy being around and uh it's just been like really good i'm I'm not gonna call it a distraction because that makes it sound like i'm using it for you know more than just having fun but i mean it kind of is there is, I mean, I think distraction has a negative connotation and I, I will respectfully fight against that to most people. I think anything that can help you alleviate the stresses of day-to-day life, whether it's reading a book, watching a TV show, playing games or RPGs or anything like that, that's not necessarily a negative. I think one of the things we a talk... positive distraction. Yeah, you know, I, you know, it's the difference between, you know exacerbating the problem by not addressing it or acknowledging that the problem's there but wanting a little bit of a you know rejuvenation period or a reprieve before you go back to uh, assault uh, kind of attacking it or, or sort of dealing with it and also i have i've i've heard you know multiple people have come on here who have talked about the kind of mental benefits and just the you know uh, social benefits of being uh, in a rpg or in a you know, gaming group where you're interacting, where, you know, COVID times are such a lonely, you know, isolating time. For a lot of people, that was their only interaction with other pe- persons in the outside world. So that was great for keeping one's mental health in check. And then also, if you're going through a lot, which, I mean, this happens so frequently at my table, just la- last uh, Monday game, I had my, one of my players come in and was just kind of down and not talking. And I did the check in and he goes, no, 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 it's good. I just need tonight. I had a rough day at work. Like I really need tonight. And by the end of the night, he's you know, cracking jokes and laughing. And he, and he thanks us uh, for, you know, obviously helping distract and alleviate from the stresses of work and, and the real world, quote unquote. So yeah, there's definitely a, a valid uh, benefit to it being a quote unquote distraction. Yeah, I love that. And it's better than like drinking yourself into a hole in your closet or something, you know? Oh, like, marginally might- better, though. Those dice addictions, <laughs> the next thing you know, you're going to have to get a second mortgage on the house. But you're healthier. <laughs> you're <not> like, <laughs> I guess, you know. I guess, I guess, yeah. So maybe, <laughs> so, so everyone stop uh, abusing drugs and alcohol, become a dice goblin, become a dice, you know, dragon, hoard all the dice. <laughs> yeah, for real. And then there's dice accessories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we were starting down a, a long rabbit hole if we want to start talking about the dice accessories and the bags and the the rolly um 
the, the dice rolling um rolling trays thank you trays apparatus i i, I was going to call it something different um not to mention like I, i'm guilty of it i have a wormwood dice carrying nice um what, 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 i forget which wood this was exactly um but yeah, I think maybe oak wood or something. Just fancy, fancy yeah, yeah. wood. Yeah, because fan- they don't make anything not fancy. <laughs> yeah, you know, fancy, you know, master crafted by an artisan thing that, you know, I, I bring out and people go, ooh, what's that? And I go, you know, pop the magnets off. It holds my dice. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very funny to see how, um, how, how upgraded this, this hobby can be. And then, you know, I know people who've either made their own or have bought the full on, uh, Dice table and, and table. In the best possible use of the word, I love how nerdy it is. I really do. Just getting to like nerd out about things and people just accept it and also nerd out with you. I love that. I love that so much. Like, look at my dice tray that holds my D and D dice and people just being like, oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, or you end up, you know, I've seen people at conventions who are playing their original characters. They're cosplaying as their original characters from their games. Or they're uh, getting art commissioned, which is something I've done in multiple uh, times. Just to, to so I can have, you know, that character which only lived in my mind or my player's mind now is as a physical representation. I mean, those are yeah. really, really cool things that uh, are done as well. I've thought about it. I, I thought about cosplaying my current character. So I think I'm going to do that. Just having something like that you created out in the world, even if nobody else ever sees it. Yeah. Just being like, I did that. Or somebody else drew it, but I did that. <laughs> well, I mean, still, like, I think the, the constant uh, thing that, that I found over time is, you know, part of the reason this is such a fun hobby, this is such a popular thing, and it's, it's picking up steam, you know, every year over year, is sooner or later you realize that at the end of the day, People just want to talk about, you know, their thoughts and ideas and, uh, you know, desires and characters and stories. Like the, when it, when you make it personal, when you, when you feel like you're bringing something from yourself outwards and then people don't immediately shut it down or, or, or make fun of it, you feel this amazing exuberance and joy. And, you know, we, I, now, now getting a little nerdy here. Apparently these synapses fire off and give you the same sort of endorphin <laughs> rush as if you were doing the real thing and you start, as I've done now multiple times, talking as if the person, the player at the table did the thing where you, oh, remember that time you did that thing? Well, I mean, no, it was like, it wasn't you, it was the dice and the fictional character, but you just become so enamored by the game that you get that same high or that same low when things go bad, you know, and you get frustrated with your roles or somebody, some character oh, unfortunately yeah. dies. Like I've had many a dark session end because of a character death or something rough. And then the, the walk back to the cars in the olden days before everything was, you know, COVID <laughs> being super awkward. Cause you could just tell the, the air had been, you know, popped like a balloon from everybody because yeah. of how, how dark it got. Right. I, oh yeah. I've definitely shed tears because of it. Like, real-life crying because of a game. It's definitely very emotional. It totally can be. And, um, yeah, we're, we're fortunate to uh, have such a fun hobby and a fun thing to do. And, uh, can't, and I, I can't... like what you were saying. Like, you can throw out your ideas and pretty much they're just accepted. Like, I like the there's no wrong way to play style. And that's why I kind of like... I like being new. It's almost like an advantage to playing because your DM might cut you more slack than the other players, which is really nice. 
I think also, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, because obviously I'm jaded by being such a long-term dungeon master and GM. I, I don't get to be a, <laughs> I don't get to be a player so often. I also think you get to come up with way more clever and out there stuff outside of a system because you're not bogged down by the history of the system and the lore and the mechanics and stuff like that. I've always found with new players, they'll tell me like, all right, well, can I like climb onto his shoulders and then like cover his eyes with my hands? So then he like can't do, you know, X, Y, Z. And I go, oh, you know what? That's not technically a part of the game mechanics. And if I was playing with somebody who'd been playing for, you know, half a decade or more, they'd probably be like, no, 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 that you have to either use your spells or use your weapons or blah, 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 blah. That's kind of such a fresh air. It's such a great sort of uh, uh, change of pace because, again, you you do tend to fall into things. Repetition sort of sets in when you recognize that, okay, this is a game. There's only so many actions and things you can do. So you forget the fact that if you just friggin' improv something or come up with an idea, rule of cool sometimes wins out and your GM DM goes, go for it. Exactly. Like, I think people kind of... It, in a weird way, people want to have that experience of playing for the first time again. You know, like everybody wants that excitement, but then they sit down at the table and they might just like stuff their nose in their character sheet and just be looking at their spell list the whole time and forget that like it's not all about your abilities. Like your character can do other things too. Like you're still playing a character that's not just like a magician, you know, like casting spells the whole time. Like you can also go have conversations with people and try and make things happen like in different ways and figuring out how things can be done not so much with just like your moveset is also like a big part of the game because if you get too bogged down in rules then you kind of get you know robotic and it just becomes like rinse and repeat what you're doing or well this is going to make me the most op character so i'm just gonna like make a beeline to the xp so that I can just level up and, you know, get my next moveset. You're not thinking about what you're doing right now. You're thinking about what you want your character to be in the end. And, like, new characters, they're still learning everything. So they're trying to do literally everything they can do to, like, make stuff happen. And it's really interesting to see, like, what people can come up with. Especially people that don't know D&D very well. Like, trying to fit themselves into this world and thinking, like, literally anything is possible. So they're just like, oh, here's, like, I can, I don't know, like, make water. So let me, let me, like, flood this building that we're in. And it's like, well, you can't do that. But I just like the ideas that new players come up with. Not to say that experienced players are bad or boring or, you know, like, obviously it's necessary to have experienced players as well, just as much as new people. Oh, it's just, it's just a different flavor. I mean, um, oh, yeah. you know, I always try to come up with metaphors for describing things, and I do tend to fall to food because I do love food. But um, Food is the best. Food, food is pretty good. I can't live without <laughs> it. Um, but no, the, um, th- the thing I, I try to kind of explain when people ask, and this is going to sort of segue back to a point I was making earlier about being a GM DM for so long, you do have a tendency to uh, forget what that player experience is like. And then sometimes you fawn for the experience of what it must be like to be a player and see if that would be more fun. But then when you're a player, you fawn for the ex- uh, experience to be the GM and DM and see how it all is. And I've always thought of this as weirdly like the difference between having surprise cake and working very hard to make said cake. By being, you know, the person who's making the cake and by having the control of all the ingredients that go in, yeah, you know what the end result is. It's not going to surprise you. You're intending to make a cake. You're going to get a cake in the end. 
how you get there, if you mess up a step, if it doesn't come out, the texture doesn't come out right, or you should have changed things up. That's the unpredictability of your other players. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know what you're going to get. But it's so satisfying when you eat your own cake after all that time spent in putting it together, right? As opposed to that's... Right, like you've been smelling it in the oven and you're just like, oh my god, hurry up. <laughs> right? So a lot of the fun of being a DMGM is laying that foundation down, having weird things happen in the process which throw you off, but then still somehow getting to the end result, which you all want, which is fun. And uh, a lot of the fun of being a player is I have no idea what that other person across from me is going to do or on my screen or what the GM and DM is going to throw at us. So when she goes, oh, then uh, your ally actually turns out to be a giant devil. You're like, oh, my God, no, I was blind and betrayed to like it. Everything's a surprise. But then the highest but of high. you're having fun. Yeah. But 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 you're <laughs> having fun because you didn't expect it to happen or you, exactly. you, you had a general idea of what you wanted to do, but you didn't have all the answers. So. Everything hits harder. Um, so each of it is just a, but each of it's a different approach. But at the same time, you're still getting an awesome cake and it's all fun. So there you go. Everybody likes cake. Everybody likes cake. There's a, there's a, there's a, 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 a internet reference that I can make, but I don't have to. I'm sure you all know where we can go. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say it either just for solidarity. I think another thing is, uh, I've been told so many times in the games that I've played that, like, the DM at the or GM at the end of it will be like, um, I had so many things planned. I have all these things written down. You guys did none of it. <laughs> like, I did not expect anything that we did in this session, and it was all, like, mostly improv because all the things I had written down, y'all just wanted to do other things. You got distracted by wanting to, like, go pet that dog or something, you know? Like, well, you can't force a moment. Like, like uh, I've tried many times. So that's that's one of my. If there's any faults I've made or uh, bumps in the road I've had on my on my uh, progress is is definitely trying to force a moment or trying to force and create a thing. And and when you when you have that going into a session, it makes your players sort of feel it. It sort of feels like you're trying to get something synthetic or trying to get something kind of railroady from them and sometimes it will comply because they're really good players and i've had you know so many awesome players who over the years kind of pick up on what i'm trying to get to so they'll comply but if it's too tailored if it's too pre-written or you know it has that stench of it's it's obvious that you're taking away our autonomy our ability to make choices because there's something you're trying to push i don't think it hits as hard and and the more and more i play the more my prep is not about predicting what they're going to do. It's just having, you know, plan B, C, D, E, F, G for when we get to that point, because I know they're not going to do anything I predict. But if all of a sudden they want to talk to that merchant, I better have an idea who the merchant is and what their wants, goals, and desires are and what the hell are in their shop, because people love the shop. Let me tell you that. If there's one thing I've learned about RPGs is, is you these all these characters are in our minds. But we all want them to look really cool or have really nice armor or really dope hair. So you better have a bunch of accessories. Um, I'm so guilty of that. I have just as bad of a shopping problem in D&D as I do in real life. It's terrible. And you know, that's I, I just imagine that's got to be boring for the DM to like sit there and just like have this list of items. And we're just like looking around with huge puppy dog eyes at everything and he's like half of these items don't work for you but i still want to know what it does <laughs> because maybe i want to buy it anyways I I, and- I I i can see that but at the same time for me that's 
that's almost like a, a compliment, a very subtle compliment for your players because they're so caught into the verisimilitude, the believability of the world that like mm-hmm. literally had this happen in my uh, Tuesday game. I had this happen in my Tuesday game where I introduced them to a kind of Greek inspired, uh, you know, plane of the world. And immediately they're like, well, we don't look like we're Greek. We're in, you know, white scale armor and stuff like that. Let's all get togas and let's all get, you know, like skirts <laughs> and like, you know, sort of like, cause again, this is a made up world that's living in our subconsciouses, but these guys and gals all decided like, hold up, we're in a new spot. We need a wardrobe change. We need to fit in and look cool. And then they're like, well, does it come in this color? Can I get it like this? Wait, what if I have a, like a lion, you know, hides to throw over it? So I look like Hercules. You're like, it's so brilliant that at, at a certain point, yeah, I am sort of scrambling to be like, oh, shoot. What did they wear in like ancient Greece and Rome so I can throw at them or, or like, oh man, this really isn't the story I'm trying to tell. But at the same time, they're so bought in that it matters to them. And when when people do that, like having my characters take a bath, that's something you never hear about very frequently. But sometimes I'll have my yeah. games run and then my characters, sorry, my players will be like, hey, it's been like days, right? Since we've last, you know, went into the city. And I'm like, yeah. They go, man, I must be smelling like crap. I probably should find like a stream nearby or find an area to take a bath or have somebody cast magic on me. And I'm like, that's so brilliant because you don't think about it because you're in like this sort of video gamey, like, all right, let's get to the thing, get to the thing. We just assume everybody's wearing the same attire the entire time. You assume that they are, you know, bathing or using the bathroom in between. But it's very funny when all of a sudden your players go like, no, I think I need a bath. My character would need a bath. Wow, you're so bought in. That That's such a compliment. Yeah. I we started out a session on one of my games where the DM was like, "When's the last time your character took a bath?" And I was just like, "Oh, uh, I don't know. I guess I never thought about that because I forget about like coming from mostly playing video games. I do kind of have that mindset where it's just like, okay, we're gonna do this objective, we're gonna do this objective, and then everything in between is implied, I suppose." Yeah. And a lot of that is like you got to think about that, I guess. (laughs) And listen, a lot of that is to prevent. Because you think, because you want to, you know, a part of the game theory is you, you're trying to eliminate the space between them doing what they want to, unless there's a thematic point for that, right? So they might nerf your character ability, but you're going to pick up the awesome abilities in the way. So right early on, you might, and then this is maybe tangential, but it can be tied into RPGs. Anybody out there, if you're interested, um, even if you're playing like a level one character or a very base character in whatever system you're using. You still want the players to kind of start with that vertical slice that you see in video games to where they're like, here's all the things you'll get to play with and you'll feel pretty strong or pretty cool early on. Then we'll do the flashback to where you're a novice and you don't have all those powers, but you know you're going to work towards that. Or then we'll, you know, introduce harder characters, which then kick your teeth in because you realize you're not a badass quite yet, but you'll get there. And steal this for me, if anybody's listening, is make that first (laughs) session Throw some, you know, one hit point commoner, you know, thugs at them so they can slice and dice and feel like true heroes. And then you hit them with the 50 hit point, you know, minotaur. And then they're like, oh crap, we're level one. That's way stronger than us. So that, that's a fun way of doing it. And you're right. In the process of, <laughs> in the process of doing that, very rarely do video games go like, yeah, cool. You're running around, but like you're sweating. There's blood all over you. You probably need to clean your sword because it's going to get all gunky. And no, don't you put it back in your sheets because now your sheet's going to get all gunky. You need to clean. Like there's a lot of stuff that's yeah. skipped over. Yeah. It's just mostly implied, but I mean, we're superhero badass people. We shouldn't have to. <laughs> it is a power fantasy. Just let it so work. Yeah. Just let it work. 
Just let it work, I think, is also a good slogan for being a DMGM. Just let it work. <laughs> Just let it work. You know, like, I mean, I don't want it to get too mundane where it's like, okay, now go sit outside and tell me how long it's going to take you to wash this stain out of your shirt. Because if you go into town with a stained shirt, people are going to be like, oh, is that blood? And then you're going to be suspicious. No, just like, it, it just disappears, maybe. That's fine. We're magic. We're in a mm. magic world. Anything's possible. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's it's great that the players do that. Obviously, you don't want to make too big of it so it slows the game down. But it also becomes a great mechanic to then introduce who's ever running, you know, the baths or the wash house. And <laughs> yeah. then you've got a cool NPC to interact with and potentially a quest giver, you know, who has a giant question mark over their head. Um, but yeah, that that's that's really As somebody dope. that plays like farming games and stuff like that a lot. I can see that becoming the game for me very quickly, though. Like, okay, well now I gotta go take a bath. I don't want to fight any more bad guys because now I'm getting dirty, <laughs> and I know I'm gonna have to. I I wish I knew that earlier because I would have picked your brain about that more because I love resource management and farming and things like that. Like, I I fell to the Farmvilles. I fall to any video game to where I'm like slowly Stardew building up. Valley. Yeah, yeah. I I fall I fall in love with things to where I'm like slowly building up things. And I'm like, just you wait. I'm gonna afford this thing and then I'm gonna upgrade how many you know things like I just it's it gets me every time I love a progress bar I love you know Mm -hmm. money that I can eventually buy a better house or gas station or whatever the hell the game's mechanic is right so and I I sometimes put that in my games I try to keep it away from my players to have to control all that like I'll track rent or I'll track bank accounts and stuff like that because (laughs) I'm weird but sometimes I'll be like, oh, if you guys want an economics thing to handle or like, well, you're lords of a land. Now you have employees. You want me to keep track of payroll and stuff like that? Like, I'm that person. That stuff sits in the back of my brain when I play. And I'm like, I don't want to bring it up because I don't know how everybody else would feel about it. But I want to be the person that's like, kind of like, well, we're going to be like staying in this hotel for how many? Like, are there going to be like maids coming through and cleaning it? Do I need to also do upkeep? Like, what it, what am I doing in my little room? I care about more than what's happening outside the room sometimes, but I just like, I never know how to bring it up without it turning into this like micromanaging situation where I'm like outside fighting things, but also I need to come back and make my bed, please. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's the ever present sweet science of uh, figuring out the balance between too much and too little. And yeah. I, I don't know anybody who's ever perfected it, but you know, uh, I, I've been at this, you know, six plus years and I still haven't figured it out. So I guess we'll just keep trying. Yeah. That's why for me, it's just become, it's implied, let it happen because I'm either going to go way too far in one direction or the other. So if you want me to stay on track, like we're going to be about the fighting. But if you want me to do this stuff, I can do it. But I'm going to think too hard about it, and it's going to become a big part of the game for me. So we got to be careful there. Hmm. So, Wowsers, as we're kind of wrapping up here, I do want to ask, you know, you're still very young, according to you, and you're to your RPG space, and you're trying different settings and systems and stuff like that. What's something you haven't tried or want to try within the RPG world uh, looking forward? Oh, man. That's a great question. Um, I mean, I'm willing to try just about anything because I can very easily, like, lose myself in these things and anything will be fun for me, especially with the right group of people. Like, I trust other people's opinions a lot. Um, so if I found, like, the right group and they were like, oh, try this, you'll like it, you know, I'm into that. Something, if I could specifically say something I wanted to try, ooh, probably, um, the Avatar The Last Airbender. I did, like, a quick one-shot of that. Did you mean like a specific game like that or like 
anything or more cosplay anything no, or... all of it run with it so you want to try the avatar uh rpg system yeah i did i did like a one shot of that and it was so much fun and i'm a huge avatar fan so like if anybody's doing that hit me up <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. I mean, that is a, one of the cooler fandoms out there. So you you want to try Avatar because you kind of love that fandom and love that world, right? Yeah, I also want to try um, Pathfinder 2E because everybody I know talks about that and I haven't tried it yet. And I'm sure that's probably a whole big thing you could get into as well. Um, yeah, I mean, don't don't want to turn this uh, longer than it needs to be. But like, yeah, I find that, you know, once you get into certain systems, if you love the um if you love personalizing your character and getting a very specific sort of build with a little more a little more numbers but but at the same time a way more rewarding um specializations you can do and customizations then i think pathfinder as a system by itself is great it's kind of the you know born of 3.5 it's think of it as you know dnd plus you know or dnd hard mode what some people like to say but i think no, but I, 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 I think, I think you shouldn't worry about the hard mode part. I think D&D, sorry, uh, Pathfinder 2.0 is a great kind of middle area between, uh, something a little more complicated, but a little more rewarding in its own right than 5e D&D, uh, when it comes to systems, if you're just asking my personal opinion. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be the general idea of it is that it's like, uh, the, the way you build is way better, kind of. Yeah, and I don't if you're know if I'm wording that right. No, no, you're fine. That's 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 a good way to put it. The way you build your character is always better, and the type of things you can do with monsters too on the other side, like it's a little more complicated in a good way. It gives you a little more a uh, bit of options and stuff to play with. And I'll also say, you know, if you find yourself somebody who likes systems, like there's so many RPG systems out there where if you're somebody who loves the nuts and bolts and nitty gritty and you know, whipping out the calculator and trying to maximize uh, either how good your character is or how you can manipulate the environment around you. There's some really great systems out there that you should definitely um, look into because we are short on. Um, I, I think I think we're 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 short on major options. Everybody knows kind of the big two. Maybe you throw in some you know vampire werewolf stuff in there. But the vast majority of people end up talking about D&D and Pathfinder I run into. But I would love to see people incorporate more systems like, not to, you know, promote our, promote our friends, but like our, our Svihanders, you know, the Witcher RPG, you know, other people. There's multitude of guests on this RPG podcast, if you just go back and listen to, who've made content for or vouched uh, GURPS, obviously, because, you know, the Europeans love their systems. Um <laughs> there's so many great systems out there um i think you will have no shortage you personally and then you the listener will have no shortage of options if you really want to specify and customize and nail that sweet spot of what it is you want out of your rpg yeah i'd love to try vampire as well you said you just said that and that just jogged my memory i would definitely love to try that one all right wowzers so if people want to hear from you or get in contact with you what would be the easiest route uh, definitely Twitter. Um, my name on Twitter is at Wowzers, two V's at the beginning, V-V-O-W-Z-E-R-Z, -E um, because, you know, the W version was taken. <laughs> and then, uh, I stream, I don't have a set schedule, but I stream at night, um, West Coast time from, like, 6 to, like, 12 or 1. And then, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. You can find me every Friday on Twitch.tv slash Occult, where we are doing... Um, a campaign called Wretches and Sketches, where we actually have a sketch pad in the middle of the screen that we all share on a browser, 
and we're all sketching the story as we're playing. And it's very cool. You all should definitely check it out. If you're trying to contact me, this is the My RPG Podcast, which can be found on Podbean, Twi- uh, not Twitch, yeah, the Podbean on Spotify, on uh, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. If you want to send me a message, it's myrpgpodcast at gmail.com. That's myrpgpodcast at gmail.com. My personal Twitter is classy underscore Don. That's D-O-N. Otherwise... Thank you for listening, and I'll see you at the table.